My name is Scott Chaloner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a cool but very sunny wintry day here in the capital and I'm delighted to say that hopefully continuing to add a little bit of brightness to the cold is Richard Smith, Joint Owner and Managing Director of Opus Land Limited. Um, For those who did not hear the first time that Richard came on to join us on the show because this is his second appearance on the podcast, um, Opus Land is a leading UK property development and investment company with offices in both the West Midlands and right here in London. Uh, Richard, welcome to the show again and it's an immense pleasure having you back. Well, it's an immense pleasure to be here again. Thanks, Scott, for inviting me. Absolutely. Now, uh, last time, of course, we talked an awful lot about sort of certain goings on in the industry, but today I want to start just by addressing, you know, the current COVID situation as it stands at the moment. Of course, over the last uh, couple of years, we've all come through some immense challenges to get to where we are now, but how sort of operationally are things at this point in time for you? Uh, they're better. They're not as good as they should be from an operational point of view. Our business continues to thrive, but we have to still cope with COVID. Um, and coping with COVID means that uh, whether it be our own staff, who thankfully are very few and very healthy, um, or um, contractors' teams or our professionals' teams, there are constantly people often isolating, um, which creates issues. Um, to our business. I really do think we've got to a point now um, one can't belittle COVID and the damage that is and the death that it has caused. But one's seeing ever more evidence that the current strain of the virus is simply not killing healthy people. Um, And indeed, it has to be remembered that a cold can kill a vulnerable person. Mm. So I think we've really got to start treating it as an endemic, not as a Um, the status it currently has and get on with life. Um, I know there are many views on this. I heard a scientist from Geneva on the television this morning talking about how, you know, we we could do that at our peril. One doesn't like to think that I know more about the subject than a scientist. I'm sure we don't. But I just don't know how we can carry on like this. I think we've got to, we're going to have COVID with us for many years to come. It would appear that as it reinvents itself in another strain, it does become less strong, less harmful. And I think we've got to work with it like we work with flu and the common cold Mm. um, so that we do get people back to normal. However, I don't think life will ever be, or what will be normal may be different to what it was um, before COVID struck. We do accept people working from home more than they used to. That doesn't mean they should be working from home every day of the week, but it does mean that on occasion they can work from home and they've learned how to work from home. And we've all become very adept at Teams meetings and Zoom meetings and all these other various forms of um, um, video conferencing, which has helped tremendously, albeit it's totally impersonal. And I still do think that if you if you really want to make some decisions with people, you do have to have them in a room. You do have to interact. And I really don't think that that as businessmen, we can function properly unless we do interact personally with other people in the same room. And I think that's especially true, and I feel especially sorry for those coming into any industry at the moment, whether they be property people or lawyers or accountants or whatever. How are they going to learn? 
mm. unless they can hear their mentors and what they and, and learn from them and the way they do their business. I feel really sorry for these youngsters. I'm not quite sure how they're going to learn what they need to learn. Um, so, you know, all in all, the more we can get back to office working again or working from a, a central location, um, the better. I think you're very right. I think when it comes to sort of utilising technology and sort of bringing that into the workplace for the longer term, I think we have to do it in that sort of hybrid manner, don't we? We can't just completely jettison the office environment entirely because you take away those water cooler moments that are so sort of important for driving innovation. Absolutely. And as well as that as well, um, we are social creatures as human beings, aren't we? And one has seen throughout the lockdowns that the effects yes. on mental health from isolation Correct. have also been vast, haven't they? So these are all things to consider. I think so. Hmm. I, think so. I mean, I, 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 I think of myself, although maybe others would disagree, of being a relatively sane person. I know there are people who would say this is quite the opposite, but um, there we are. Um, but I must admit, during the lockdown, it did affect my mental health. Mm. Um, and it certainly changed my lifestyle. I think it's fair to say that when I was working at home every day, um, I'd be having a drink in the middle of the day, something I never do when I'm at the office, uh, which is not good for you anyway. So it, it sort of taught us, I, I think, to behave in a way, a lone way, that maybe is not good for us as well from a health point of view. So I think the more we do get back into the work environment, the better. Um, and yeah, I did. You know, there are people, I'm sure, a lot less sane than I am, who must have struggled massively through mm. this. And one feels terribly sorry for them. It's difficult when you're sort of running a business, isn't it? And you're in that sort of crisis mode, as it were, because you're constantly sort of looking after everybody else and making sure that their sort of morale and well-being is in the right place. And sometimes you do burn yourself out. You don't take that step back as and when you need to, and you almost overburden yeah. yourself, don't you? So as leaders, yeah. I think that is also something we have to be very aware of. Safeguard the mental health of our colleagues, of course, but also be yeah. able to do it for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's one of the good things in that the one thing that COVID has taught me is that I don't have to be here till seven, eight o'clock at night. I can go home at a reasonable hour and I can come in at a reasonable hour um, because I don't have to work here. I can work elsewhere as well. Exactly right. And I suppose there's another positive within sort of the property industry that you're involved in as well over the COVID period is what's come of the sort of stamp duty holiday and extension, because that seems to have really sort of stimulated the housing market and sort of driven prices up. So there is that impact as well. And there have been sort of one or two other sort of legislative positives from this. Yeah, I mean, property prices are becoming outrageous, aren't they? Like residential property prices, obviously, as you know, we're not involved mm-hmm. in them. But of course. Yeah. It's all got a bit out of hand. It's gonna, there's going to have to be a period of correction. It might not go down, but I think it will certainly stabilise. It's got to. But, of course, we've had the same in our industry. We've, we've got rising rents and rising prices, certainly on, um, on sheds, on, on warehouses and industrial buildings, massively rising rents and prices. And, again, there has to be a, there has to be a stop to that. It can only go so far. But, of course, to go with that, we've had a massive increase in our construction cost and our material cost as well so and generally of course as a country we've now got pretty let's be honest pretty rampant inflation Mm. um, that cannot be sustained in the long term it can't exactly and with rising utilities prices coming in april as well we've seen the rise in national insurance that's coming in which is going to be more of a cost for businesses i mean that's only going to go up isn't it so i think we do have to be very very careful about how we move forward here we do we do we do. There are a lot of um, 
yeah, much though uh, we're constantly told, and I think it's right that our economy is strong, stronger than the rest of Europe, strongest man in Europe, etc. I think there are a number of warning signs on the hill that we need to be taking note of, and I think you know we've got to be careful how we move forward before it overblows and it goes too far. And I suppose what's been a real momentum driver of late as well is the sort of the COVID bounce back effect, if we call it that. And as we move out of this acute phase of the pandemic now, we're not always going to be able to have that to fall back on. So that could mean that growth, even though we've seen sort of better than expected growth in recent months, that could end up being quite subdued over 2022. Yeah, it could. Yeah, it could. Absolutely. Absolutely. Remember, we've had a double whammy for the for, for our benefit. Um, in that we've also had Brexit, which has created a need for more warehousing and industrial space generally, and certainly in our region in the Midlands. So um, we've had that double benefit. But again, that can't go on forever. That's got to, that's got to peak and eventually level out. So we've all got to be aware of that and not let the market go too far, because when the market too, goes too far, certainly in our business, uh, we all know what's going to happen. It's just going to blow apart. And obviously the COVID Brexit double whammy that you mentioned there, it's had its effect on sort of the labour market as well. We're seeing a lot of sort of talent pool shortages at the moment, and it's a very, very difficult environment for recruitment as well. So that's another thing that we have to be really, really careful about. Correct. Material shortage is a massive problem, not just in our industry, but in everything. Um, You can't, you know, you can't buy a car at the moment because you can't get a chip a chip for it, so they're not making many cars. And it, 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 it's right across the economic and the manufacturing sector as well. Um, it's very difficult to get hold of things. I noticed the other day, you can't even buy the telly you want anymore. There used to be, you know, I don't know, carriers would have a stock of 20 tellers in of exactly the one you wanted. You'd be lucky if you got one there now. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, um, sort of going back now, Richard, to sort of what we kind of touched on at the beginning with the sort of COVID situation in general and maybe sort of taking a step now to live with this virus. There are one or two hints that that might well end up being the case. I mean, we've seen, given what's going on with the Omicron variant, that Plan B is not going to be in place for much longer. And when it comes to reviewing, of course, the Coronavirus Act in March time, the Prime Minister is very, very keen on sort of repealing that completely, potentially. So we could end up seeing sort of a full reversal of all of this and a completely full economic reopening. But Obviously, there's a couple of months to go until then, and there are one or two variables in that. Um, I suppose mm-hmm. in your situation, you would favour that act being repealed and that. moving forward. Totally absolutely. Encourage it. Absolutely. I think it's the only way to go. And obviously not to... Unless we yeah. suddenly get some very nasty figures and, you know, hospital admissions are going through the roof, which they haven't done. I mean, all the doom mongers at the start of the latest variant were hospital admissions are going to go flying, deaths are going to go flying. It simply hasn't happened. Um, so I think one of the few things the Prime Minister or this government have got right recently is the fact that they have, uh, um, shall we say, ignored the doom mongers and, and, and reacted accordingly. I think, uh, and, and I think to the betterment of this country, I think that's good. And I would hope in March, unless something goes horribly wrong, they are redacted totally and we go back to where we should be. Mm. When we think about sort of the national leadership, as it were, I suppose the booster program as well is one thing that they have really got right in recent weeks to help sort of stave off this new variant that we've seen. Um, But I think there's also been a lot of pressure when it comes to this talk about all of the rules being repealed uh, very imminently um, with what's been going on around sort of the prime minister at the moment as well. There's almost that sense that he's going to do it to save his reputation. It's not acceptable. It cannot be acceptable on any level. Um, 
I do have some very blunt views about, um, in particular, our Prime Minister, um, in that I think one of the principal things we need from our senior politicians is at least an element that they're respected people and they can be trusted. And I don't think that we can do that with Boris Johnson, and I don't think we ever could. It's a very blunt statement to make, but um, I think it's a fact. Um, the history shows um, constant, shall we say, bending of the truth, morals that maybe aren't where they should be. Um, and I don't think he's the right person to lead this country going forward. Um, I think the party are. I've always been a conservative. I hope I'll always remain one. I think there are some very good people in there, but I really do think we need somebody else at the helm now. Um, it's going to get out of hand, and before we know it, we won't have a conservative government next time. We'll end up with another socialist government. That never does anybody any good, in my opinion. Like I say, we've seen the impacts that Boris Johnson's recent conduct and the revelations of Partygate, let's say, have had on the polls. So it'd be interesting, certainly, to keep an eye on that. And I think it's it's reminded us of something very important um, when, it, when we think of sort of leadership more broadly, because when we think of that word, I suppose the temptation is instantly to look at politics, to look at celebrity. But I think when it comes to those leaders, let's say, that have compose themselves with the utmost grace, decorum and determination and also resilience over the last two or three years. It's business leaders, isn't it? It's people who've kept the economy going, even despite everything that has been thrown their way, all of the hoops that have had to jump through through COVID. And that's a testament to just how incredible UK industry is. Yeah, I agree. And how credible the British, uh, and how amazingly adept the British are, which I think we always knew, didn't we? Um, We've always been the innovators, haven't we? And we've certainly innovated in the last two to three years. I think that's absolutely right. And I think it's going to continue into the future as well because we've seen just sort of how... Not necessarily, I'm not going to say easy because it hasn't been easy, but just how everybody's been able to adjust to new patterns of working virtually overnight and how we're now sort of thinking about sort of moving that forward. And despite, like I say, all these very many issues that we're facing, I mean, we're ready to adjust to this sort of new normal that everybody's talking about. And we're just ready and willing to see where that takes us. Yeah, absolutely. 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 I think, yeah, we've all, we've all, I think business has played its part very well. There are exceptions, of course. There's been a lot of people who are making an awful lot of money who've been claiming a lot of money in furlough. I think that's pretty off-beam. Mm. Um, there are other people who quite rightly uh, took the money to start with and have paid it back. Good for them. Um, so, yeah, but I think the business community has, on the whole, come out of this very well and very honourably. It has, hasn't it? Obviously, of course, there are those unscrupulous businesses that fortunately now are being sort of tracked down, even those that maybe have gone sort of under in the uh, the interim period. But I think yeah. one thing that, businesses were quite worried about was that when you know all of this support eventually wound down there was a sense that oh well all of this money is going to be paid back and it's almost sort of kicking um a large amount of debt into the long grass until eventually we have to face the music um do you think there's really sort of been that sort of sentiment within industry because it seems from sort of my point of view looking outside in that it's determined to crack on and it's sort of going about things as normal. Yeah, it is. And interestingly, my understanding of the figures is, and we don't hear them like we used to. It's amazing. I wish that um, the news coverers would maybe go back on old stories and actually 
work out what has happened. They do it with COVID infections, deaths, etc. every day. What they don't do is, is continually say, well, we originally borrowed this and the economy is now doing that. My understanding is from the odd time you see it, that the debt is being paid back a lot quicker than was thought, number one. And number two, the debt never got as great as it could have done. Um, so I don't think we're in the mess that we thought we would be in at this time. Um, but of course, we still have a lot to pay back. And we've got to, we don't, you know, we, we've, most of us have learned over many years that you borrow too much money, you've always got to pay it back. When you pay it back, there has to be a tightening of the belt to do so. Um, we don't want our children or indeed our grandchildren to have that tightening of the belt more than they really need to. Um, and I think if we keep a stable economy now um, and we continue to pay taxes at the present level without expecting too many givebacks from the government, we should be in a position to do that. And just thinking about that sort of next generation that you talked about there, a lot of people that do tend to tune into this podcast tend to be of that sort of younger entrepreneurial stock, let's say. And a lot of the sort of most successful businesses do tend to spring out of times of economic hardship. So just to those people out there that might be listening to this and may sort of have their own big idea to start their own business, as somebody who's been successful yourself, Richard, what sort of advice would you actually give to somebody like that to really get them on the road to success at a time such get as on this? With it. Just get on with it. If you've got an idea and you think you can make it work and you've got the right business plan and you've got the right people behind you, then get on with it. Um, it's, of course, the grass is always greener, um, but people are either made to run their own business or they're not. They're either entrepreneurs or they're not. And if you are of that persuasion and believe you can do it, you must do it. And you're, I think you owe it as a duty to your country to do it because we are still a country of innovators. Mm. And any person that starts a business is in his own way an innovator. Um, and there's no way we should discourage that. Um, um, I think it's vital for the future. Um, and we are still a country where we still have those opportunities. Some don't anymore. Um, we still have those opportunities, and therefore we must persuade people to grab those opportunities with both arms. I think it is. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Again, encouraging the innovators to get out there and just do it. And I think... Like I said, when we talk about the lessons of the pandemic, you've spoken about personally how you've learned a lot about sort of your own sort of mental health. You've learned a lot about your stuff operationally. I suppose just having the determination to go out and do it, put the hours in for anybody sort of looking to start their own business. That's probably one of the things that you need. You need that determination, but you've also got to be willing as well to sort of surround yourself with the right people, I suppose, as well. Yeah, you have. You've also got to be prepared for it to go wrong. If you look at most very successful people in this country, they've all had their problems in life. They've mm. all had times when they run out of money. Um, mm. You can't always succeed. You can't always make the right decision. As long as you make the right decision, more often than you don't make the right decision, you'll be fine. But don't expect not to fail because there are times when everybody fails. None of us are perfect. None of us should be expected to be. And that's part of growing up and part of moving forward and part of learning. And I, th I think it's just shown us as well, the pandemic, hasn't it, that we're not infallible in that sense. I mean, everybody is prone to setbacks. And I think in some ways it's part and parcel of being successful, isn't it? You have to sort of 
suffer those setbacks and not view them as terminal, but just respond to them in the right way. Yeah. Yeah, you you, absolutely. You remember the time, and I remember the time when I first started my own business in, oh, dearie me, um, 1991. Um, It was a very tricky time to do it. Um, And it was between 89 and 91. Um, And I left a large practice of some national practice of surveyors in order to start my own surveying business because I didn't agree the way forward that my partners were moving with the national business. Uh, And indeed, they wanted to basically give up and get taken over by a large outfit who I had no time for whatsoever. So I started on my own. I needed a big bank loan to do it. And I remember a year in having to ring the bank manager every day and tell him what checks I'd had in the post. It was in the days when everything came by post. What checks I'd had in the post that day. In other words, was I still just about liquid enough for him to continue with that loan? Um, And yeah, it was bloody hard work. But two, three years later, we got our first divvy and we went on from there. Um, So yeah, nothing's easy in life. Nothing's ever given to you. You've got to work for it. And when you're sort of going through those hard times where, you know, you're just waiting for that break and it's not necessarily coming straight away. I mean, what is it that sort of inspires you to keep going, would you say? I think, I think actually it's most likely a massive self-belief that you will get through it because you're born to do it. I think it's almost as if, I don't think there's any logic to it. I think it's just a sheer determination and a sheer belief that you will do it and you will get there. And you carry on believing you will get there till you don't get there, if that happens. And thank God it never happened to me. And like I say, you've experienced some, you know, you you had that sort of fallout with your colleagues over that difference in direction, which led you to starting your own business. And I think it's important to remember as well that when we think about sort of people that inspire us one way or another, maybe have an influence on us. It's also the, the sort of bad colleagues and the bad bosses, isn't it, that sometimes can have a big impression as well as the good ones. We have to sort of take the negative experiences and take the positives together and we have to sort of learn from both of them and use that to sort of propel us forward. Yeah, undoubtedly. And also a belief that, of course, none of us are always right. We should always listen to other people's opinion. Um, there are certain people I've met in business, some of them, to be fair, very successful who totally believe in their own beliefs and nobody else's and won't take advice from other people. I've always felt that to be totally wrong. I don't think any of us are always right. It is fair to say that some single-minded, determined people do succeed, despite never taking other people's advice. Um, But bluntly, there must be very few and very clever. I'm certainly not. um, And I've always taken other people's advice and believe that that advice has, has, has held me in good stead. And that's the sort of value of things like networking as well, isn't it? Um, Meeting other business leaders, learning from others who've sort of been there and done it as well. There's always merit in that. And especially, again, just going back to that sort of younger generation that may just be starting out. It's one of the most valuable things that you can do, isn't it? Absolutely. There's nothing better than experience. I mean, all of us older guys um, love to tell people what happened as and when. Um, we love recounting those stories. We love recounting those near disasters that ended up okay. We love telling people those stories. And of course, they're big things. They're big things. I remember when it happened to me. And I still remember some of the stories I was told by my elders and my superiors, which have always stayed with me. And the advice has always stayed with me. 
and this is where you know people can have sort of that inspiring experience isn't it that that sort of really positive impression on you and would you say there's anybody in particular that really sticks out that perhaps you've encountered earlier in your career that maybe sort of has left that lasting impression on you and that you maybe really learned from? Yeah, there were quite a few, actually. Um, I remember meeting, for instance, talking about relatively famous people. I remember meeting um, 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 John Riblatt, who basically started uh, British Land. Uh, and also started uh, his own surveying practice called Rem- Conrad Ripblatt. Um, that was, um, he was an amazing guy, a very successful man. Um, I remember one of my bosses in the firm of surveyors, actually, this was a piece of personal advice. It's like the best piece of personal advice I ever had. Um, and it was very telling, actually. Um, when my first child was born, he, he got me in and he congratulated me and he said, Richard, remember one thing, your children are least to you for the period of their childhood and no longer. Um, I've never forgotten that. Um, and a lot about life shows you that nothing is your God-given right. You don't mm-hmm. own anything. Um, people and um, situations pass you by and you take advantage and gain by them. You don't actually own anything. I thought that was a massive piece of advice that I've followed all my life, not just with my children, but with people I've got to know, people that have worked for me. The idea that, you know, when 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 you're in a position of seniority and people are coming up behind you, you help them, you give them a lift up. Because bluntly, if you do it properly, as you come back down the other side, they'll help you with the lift down. Um, I think that's another big lesson in life. Um, and it's those sort of lessons, hopefully, I have learned. I'm sure I can be pompous and pious every so often and think I know best, but my heart of hearts, I try and follow those sort of views. And I think that is an incredible piece of advice, not just, of course, in the business and the corporate world, but generally in life as well. I mean, it's an incredible way of looking at things. I mean, we don't own anything. There's these fleeting moments, and we have to sort of have the best impact that we possibly can. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Um, and a lot to consider for anybody tuning into the uh, the podcast today, for sure. Incredibly profound, incredibly important. And um, on that note as well, thinking about sort of the future, we talked a lot about future generations. So let's talk about the future for Opus Land as well, Richard, before we wrap up on the program today. Um, obviously, we're hopefully ending um, the, uh, the acute phase of the pandemic very, very soon. And we're going to come out of this. So over the next sort of 12 months, now that we're in this new year, 2022, what does the future hold for you and where would you really like to be as a business by, say, this time next right. year? Well, I'd hope that in the next 12 months, my daughter will take over more and more of the running of the business. I'm not going to retire. I'm not going to disappear, but I can do the things I enjoy doing. I can in, in, uh, I can have the ideas. I can make the big things happen, but that I deal less and less with the day-to-day issues in the business. Um and with that, a realization that I'm not going to be as important as I was. That's been a big lesson to me in the last year or two. As I've started to think about how I wind down, I have to realize that all of a sudden I'm not the kingpin, that I am coming down the other side of that lift, and that I have to let people overtake me. And I have to let people be my superiors again. Um, 
as I take less of a role and maybe get to an age when, because of their age, they're maybe better qualified than me to deal with the issues that I still think maybe sometimes I can deal with. Mm. And that can is can that can sometimes be sort of easier said than done, can't it? Because when you oh, sort of oh yeah yeah, it's caused me big issues, especially mm. through the pandemic. It has scared me, absolutely scared me stiff to think about that. Sorry about the squeaking. I have a puppy in my office. <laughs> no, that's absolutely fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from as well, because even when you're sort of a younger person and you're just starting out a business, I suppose when you're like the CEO, you're doing everything yourself and including doing everything on the ground, that sort of letting go of responsibility to sort of step back and focus on the more strategic things, the bigger picture, it can be sometimes one of the hardest things to do. So I can imagine that when you are at the point where, you know, you still have that hunger, but it is time to start winding down somewhat. It's difficult, isn't it? It isn't the easiest thing to sort of just let the reins go. Yeah, absolutely. Almost impossible. But you just have to get on with it. Look, I do apologise for this. I wish you'd behave. <laughs> um, it's one of the things I'm, um, I decided to do was get a puppy so I had something to concentrate on as I was trying to do less work. Trouble is, um, a bit like babies, they massive amount of constant, a massive amount of work required. But there we are. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So I apologise. No, that's absolutely fine. Not to worry at all, though, Richard. And um, I have to say, it's it's been fantastic having you. We have just uh, just about come to the end of our uh, discussion here, but um, I've got to say, I've really, really enjoyed um, having you on the show again with us. It's been fantastic. I enjoyed talking to you again, and and also hopefully um, helping other people who are asking the questions and feel they need that advice. Exactly right. It's about sort of inspiring that next generation and learning from the experiences that we've had, not just, of course, in the last couple of years, but also yeah. way back and beyond then. And for what was the other one I remember? Another one, another well-known guy, um, Nick Paul, who was the chief mm. executive of IMI. I remember going to a lecture of his once and he used three words. He said, just remember, inspiration, not perspiration. <laughs> That's another key thing as well. I mean, I suppose that goes yeah. back to sort of leaving your best impression on people, doesn't it? So, uh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Another key um, thing to take away for anybody tuning in today, um, Richard. Again, um, I think it's been incredible having you um, on the, uh, the program again. And as we start Pleasure. to sort of see how things are developing within the business, um, I'd even love to sort of have you or one of your sort of colleagues on the show again. Um, and yeah. do please take care and stay safe with all still going on as well. I will indeed ask you. And thanks for having me. It's been an immense pleasure. Thank you. Okay. It was a pleasure welcoming Richard Smith, joint owner and managing director of Opus Land Limited, onto the programme today. And I do hope that everybody tuning in thoroughly enjoyed the interview. And to all those listening in, if you feel having joined this podcast that you have your own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then why don't you also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, everyone, do take care and goodbye.